Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Joanne Oswell Jones podcast. I'm Joanne, your host, and it is so great to have you here. The conversations here on the show are all about human potential, finding inner security and our own authority by stepping into the truth of who we really are, which, as I say, is always so much stronger and much more magnificent than we think. My guest today is Liz Findlay, who dared to step into her own authority and her own power on her journey in search of wellness and healing. Not only has Liz totally transformed her own health, she has launched her own multifaceted healing company called Liz Findlay Healing and is in high demand for her services in helping both humans and animals heal their physical, emotional and energetic bodies so that they can experience true wellness. In 2008, Liz had significant surgery for stage four endometriosis and she was told by her surgeon that she would actually need surgery every two years for decades to come. After she was introduced to a method of healing called Reiki and desperately looking for answers and determined to heal herself, Liz began her self-healing journey and she focused specifically on her abdomen for the endometriosis And although she wasn't sure at the time if it was working, she did notice how very relaxed and well that she began to feel. But still not convinced that the healing was working, she duly went along for her scheduled appointment with her surgeon. In short, he was totally shocked and amazed when he could see with his very own eyes from the scan that the endometriosis was under control and that no further surgery was needed. To this day, Liz has not needed any further surgery. Today, Liz has a long list of accolades and qualifications, and she has a thriving healing practice. Are you as curious as I am to know more? So let's dive in for an authentic and heartfelt conversation with Liz. Let's go for it now. Liz, we're going to have one heck of a conversation this morning. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you for coming on the show because as you know, we're all about human potential. It's all about personal and emotional development. And um, boy, what a journey you've been on. You, yeah. <laughs> you've really been on an amazing journey, which actually led you to founding your own company called Liz Hindley, Be- sorry, Liz Findlay Healing. Um, tell us about that. Let's go back to the very beginning, because you've got so much incredible experience in not only working with humans, but with animals. And I know that's probably going to be a conversation for another day, but let's see what we can get in. Your multifaceted healing techniques, um, I can't wait to explore and talk about. So let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about how you became interested in healing. It was your physical body, right? How you became yeah in healing in a different way let's let's go with that so when I was 16 uh, well actually it was just about a month before I turned 16 a friend died in a car accident and I did not deal with this well at all and I was misdiagnosed initially but eventually diagnosed um, at different times with three autoimmune diseases And they do say with autoimmune disease that it takes a trauma for it to come to the surface. It often lies dormant. And in total, I I really suffered for 16 years. And throughout those 16 years, I never gave up. I was trying both um, traditional medicine, 
uh, well, your conventional medicine, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. And I was trying all sorts of holistic things. Um, I mean, my mom was booking me appointments. I can't even remember all of the different therapies, but we were dedicated to trying anything and anything that could make a difference. Some things helped a little bit, some things not at all, some things felt great, um, but nothing cured it, so to speak, nothing made it go away. And I do remember uh, when the doctors tried me on the umpteenth drug, and then they say to me, well, there's nothing more we can do for you. I had several of those, but I never gave up hope. I can't tell you what in me decided that it doesn't matter what they say, I'm going to find my way. And I did. I happened to move into a flat share in London. And I hadn't even known the one flatmate for, you know, an hour yet. And she starts telling me about a diet that could help me. Okay. And um, that, that was one of the major puzzle pieces for me. I often talk about puzzle pieces. We've got to find our own that fit together. 100%. And for me, it was definitely the diet. It was energy work, you know, lots of healing. Um, I, I do believe that having those autoimmune diseases got me on my path much quicker than if I hadn't had it. Because I think I would have been partying way longer because I couldn't I couldn't keep up with all the partying. I would have been partying way longer um, than, than if I had to deal with my body. Yeah. And it's, and then I went on a retreat to Egypt. And um, I think that that was the final piece for me. That it, it, it's now in past medical history. The doctors um, agreed to put it there. I don't have any symptoms of all pharmaceutical drugs and and living my life what's so wonderful about all of that is that you know I firmly believe having spent 20 years in in the self-help wellness um arena that um, we are our own authority you know we we are we have all the answers within us and illness disease um uh, all sorts of things that happen to you or happen to us are just a form of communication. It's a form of communication to say something needs changing. Exactly. Clearly, I mean, I wanted to ask, so prior to your friend having the, the, the car accident, was there any form of manifestation of physical out of balance for you? Any part of your life that you thought, oh, you know, you get ill if you eat this or you experience headaches with that or you tend to catch every cold going? Was there any sign of autoimmune weakness at all looking back yes as soon as I started looking into the main one that I had so I had fibromyalgia chronic fatigue and endometriosis wow. so when I really delved into the fibromyalgia and you start seeing uh, like sensitivities to heat and cold you just kind of want midway and I used to cry at swimming lessons as a child but I never knew why I just put it down to when well, I don't like swimming um, but I did when when I could play with friends, like on a weekend in a swimming pool or something, it was really like at school where you've got to swim lengths. So it was too much exertion for my body mm-hmm. and it was too cold. Equally, I used to cry when I bathed with my mom and she put too much hot water in. 
And mm. so that all made sense. Whereas at the time it didn't really make sense. It's just like, oh, it's it's a child who who doesn't like swimming and doesn't want hot water, too much hot water in the bath. So that made sense. And so that's one of the things that was maybe poking its head out and not so dormant. Um, but look, I did have some childhood illnesses, um, like mumps went around my school, then chicken pox went around my school. But, you know, these sorts of things are actually often good to get in childhood. So you have the antibodies, so you don't have them in adulthood. But I wasn't really one to always get a cold. Um, I, I would say I, I had allergies and I always had stomach cramps. So I got my first, if you want to call it, stomach medication of some sort at the age of seven. Okay. And progressively, I even got put on prescription stomach medication. Um, and it kind of helped a bit, but not enough. And it was only once I started doing this diet to, to help with, with all of this. Um, it's based on a theory that autoimmune disease comes from damaged gut lining and so you heal it and I'd already tried being wheat free and that reduced the intensity of the stomach cramps but then this was advising me to go not only gluten free but grain free yeah I mean, and I'm telling you that I'm grain free now still after all these years because um I after I read some some books and everything, and they explained why they don't believe we should be eating grain, and it makes so much sense to me, and especially when my body rejects it, um, in in the way of stomach cramps, my body's telling me I really don't want this. Um, yeah, and and I do so much better on a grain-free, dairy-free, sugar-free diet. Yeah, well, if you think about it, you know, it's about keeping um, your diet as close to nature as possible. And anything that is denatured or that has been processed or stripped of its nutrients. Um, and there's this whole debate, isn't there, around sort of following a vegan diet, vegan plant based diet um, and or not. But I think what people are missing is that. It's not so much about whether you should be 100 percent plant based or not, but it is about whatever that you do eat is as close to its natural state as possible. So, you know, if it's meat, for example, um, make sure it's organic or free range. Or yeah, and pasture raised. Pasture raised, biodynamic. And the same with your food, right? Anything that comes in a brightly packaged casing that's been stripped of all its nutrients is not going to help you. And of course, notwithstanding the chemicals that are used when it comes to grains. So your body was only communicating what what it what it needed changing right yeah absolutely and i i do think everyone needs to look at a diet that works for them personally and keep tweaking it i mean somebody suggested that i do a food diary and i thought oh i've done these before i don't want to do this it's boring but i i was grain free and i was dairy free and i was sugar free and i was still getting cramps every now and again and by doing a food diary, I found the maddest thing that for my body personally, I cannot combine aubergine and chickpeas. Okay. And I can have aubergine and I can have chickpeas just far away from each other. Um, and I'd forgotten about this. And I went to some friends and I had baba ganoush, which is made with aubergine, and I had hummus made with chickpeas. I'm telling you within 20 minutes, I was in agony. 
And so, but yet other people can eat that and they're fine. And so it's all about your unique puzzle pieces that you've got to find works for your body. And I think this is why I, I also, I see a lot of value in stripping back a diet completely and doing just very plain for a while, getting out anything that could be a problem for anyone. Because if you'd asked me, um, you know, as, as in, in my early 20s or late teens, do I have a problem with soya? I would have said, no, I eat sushi all the time. Uh, do I have a problem with rice? I would have said, no, I eat sushi all the time. And, you know, all of these things. So I never had an individual reaction to anything I was eating because I was eating grain, dairy, and sugar at least three times a day. If I look at the lunch I was taking to school each day, there's like a tub of yogurt. There's a sandwich. Um, You know, all of, and look, I also got some real junk, you know, like um, lovely dried fruit covered in sugar, cane sugar, you know. And so if you're having. Sweet enough, right? Exactly. So if if you're having that three times a day, your body can't have an individual reaction. Mm. Whereas if you get that all out for a while, you get your body reset, then you can have just one of those things and check the reaction over 48 hours because you can't just wait 20 minutes. Sometimes it will be 20 minutes, but your body can sometimes take 48 hours to process something. And you look out for reactions through that and then you can tweak. So how um, so you met this girl and in this flat and she said you need to go on a grain free diet. And of course, you being you and being so open to finding out how to get your body back into balance naturally and how to thrive when, OK, I'm on this. How long did you how long did it take before you started to notice differences? And was well, firstly, how long did that take? And was that a significant amount of time before you then moved into sort of emotional and energetic healing to help? So I'd actually started the energetic healing um, much earlier. So I trained in Reiki in 2010 and that sorted out the endometriosis. I did it to do the fibromyalgia. Right. But it had um, really not a noticeable um, effect on the fibromyalgia. I have to be completely honest. But with all of these types of healings, it is, if you want to say your higher self and source or spirit who will decide what is the priority. And so for me, it was to sort the endometriosis out first because I was due another surgery. Yes, because you had an operation in 2008, didn't you? In which yeah. Told that you would you would have to have continual surgery every two years for the rest of my life is what what the surgeon said. Yeah. So yeah, did uh, trained in Reiki, and between Reiki one and two, they suggest Reiki to yourself every day. Now because of the fibromyalgia, I couldn't do all of the hand positions. So like you you want to do your own crown, you know, and you're doing the. I could not hold my hands up like that. I tried lying in a bed and that was okay because then my arms are rested on cushions and everything, but still it was too much strain. So I just gave myself Reiki every day to my abdomen because I thought, well, it's going to go to where it's needed anyway, not knowing that it it would be directly to the the place of the endometriosis. And yeah, and I went I went to actually book in the next surgery and during um, the checkup, the surgeon actually pointed his finger at me and said, I don't know what you're doing, but you keep doing it. It's under control. 
You're like, hallelujah. And he's like, yeah, it's a bit dumbstruck. Like, it worked. <laughs> so, so I started the energy work um, way, way before. Um, but yeah, so with the diet, they, um, this particular one, and look, if I were to do it again, I would do it slightly differently because I've, I've learned some other things. But this one, I mean, it, it worked. Um, they're just things that I would tweak now. Yeah. But they say do it for six weeks. I ended up doing it very strict for six months because when I started reading all of the research I was given and the books, I started realizing I didn't just damage my gut lining in the last year or so, or even as a teenager. I have a strong suspicion that I had problems since birth. I'm, I'm very fortunate that um, my mother gave birth to me naturally because they do say that the mother's gut bacteria gets passed to the child during a yeah. regular birth, which is quite important. Um, but looking back, I, I don't think she had the gut bacteria um, levels, or I don't know how you would say it, that, that I needed. Because if you look, my mom has an autoimmune disease. Her two sisters have autoimmune diseases. And through conversation, I suspect that my grandmother probably had an autoimmune disease. So if, if, you're, um, if you're not getting that through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it, it was, yeah. I, so that's why I did it for the diet for six months. Um, I did it as long as it took for my body to get back to no reaction. And... Um, as little symptoms as possible. And then I started reintroducing food. But you do it one at a time yeah. so that you can see if there's an individual reaction. Was the diet very severe? Was it very strict? Oh, my gosh. You know, so I was so desperate. And I, if I'm going to do something, I'll do it 110%. You sound like that. that yeah. Otherwise, don't bother. So I was um, pretty much vegetarian at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a, a diet that's got quite a lot of meat. And I had to sit with myself for a while and say, am I going to do this? And I decided, you know what, if this can give me a chance, if I see all of the case studies, all of the success stories, people with other autoimmune diseases, people with fibromyalgia, with chronic fatigue, they've got their lives back. They've got quality of life. You know, I, I would get on a bus and get off one stop later because if I walked the length of one bus stop, I would be tired. Yeah. I don't think people so, appreciate the severity of fibromyalgia. I once had a patient and she was just, she was flawed. Zero energy, zero energy and excruciating pain throughout her body. Yeah, every day. It every, doesn't go away. Like searing uh, as though like her arm was on fire. And then there was a, I remember her describing it to me. There was like, she felt as though someone was stabbing her with a knife. The pain around her, the joints and the inflammation and the toxicity. Um, so it's a big thing, listeners, if you haven't heard of fibromyalgia. And when people say Emmy and fibromyalgia, they've got no energy. They really have no energy. So I, I couldn't stand on public transport. It, it was like I was running a marathon just to keep myself upright as something was moving. Yeah. That I would often ask for the priority seat, but then people look me up and down. Somebody even said, are you pregnant? I was so desperate. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> but there's more of an awareness now. I see they've now London Transport. I don't live in London anymore, but London Transport has now got badges 
I can't remember exactly what it says, but they do have signs that say not all disabilities are visible, visible and, and things like that. And it's true. Um, but yeah, so I sat with myself and I decided, right, um, if I'm going to get quality of life back, let's give this a try. Let's start eating meat every day. If it doesn't work, I'll then go back to being vegetarian, almost vegetarian. The thing is, I get so anemic. What I've now since learned through this whole process is my body personally needs animal protein every now and again. Not quite as much as what I was being told. I've managed to get it that I can do it sort of every two, three days, just one portion and not every meal. Um, but I threw myself into it and, and it, it worked. And I think this is, again, why people need to look at their individual bodies, because I've got one friend who thrives on being vegan. Yeah. But when you look at her blood group, and she said so herself, I think she's blood group A. Now, I'm not big into the blood group diet, but there's some things that uh, make sense. Like I'm, I'm B blood group, and it says that I have to eat meat, um, especially wild meat. Or I don't really do well with these gamey things. Like don't bring me venison. I can't stand it. Really? it she that. was telling me that blood group A are the only successful vegans. Apparently, well, I'm not saying other blood groups mustn't be vegan. You must do what works for you. That's interesting because I'm blood group A and I grew up in Africa. So I grew up in Zambia and Botswana. And so I grew up on a meat based diet. You know, I was that child walking around in a little pair of bikini bottoms, just munching on biltong. That was me, you know, in a pool with biltong. Um, and I wrestle all the time with this um, idea of being vegan, plant based for compassionate reasons. Um, mm. And when I think about it logically, when I think, why are we eating animals? Why are we eating anything that has eyes and a heart and a pulse? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. But here's the thing. When I eat meat, I feel satiated and I feel strong and I have energy. And when I predominantly have a vegan diet or a, a plant-based diet because there tends to be grains in there I tend to feel bloated and I tend to feel mm. kind of like um heavy and and you know I know I'm chubby at the moment but heavier than I should feel does that make sense so I completely get you it's it's very personal and you've got to go with what makes you and at times your body consciousness actually needs to be in predator mode if if you're in the middle of some high stress demanding situation that animal protein can really assist so it's such a big subject isn't it i mean and that's why i um i look at the meat that i'm going to eat you yeah. know like i even fish i won't go and buy farmed fish it's got to be you know fr from the ocean and um i'm not very happy going and having, say, a roast chicken, you know, a lovely Sunday roast lunch, because I don't know where their chicken is from unless it's like free range and organic and all of that. I, I would prefer to then have a vegetable option. Yeah. Um, You're absolutely right, because also you're voting with your wallet. You know, every time you buy something, right, you're voting with your wallet. And so if you're just mm -hmm. going to merrily go along and enjoy that piece of chicken that has been factory farmed and treated appallingly yeah. opposed to a biodynamic chicken that's being completely um, looked after free range outdoor you know you, you you're 
you're supporting that particular option. So you're absolutely right to just look at what you're eating. And give thanks. And give thanks. So let's go back to, so you you had been doing the healing with the endometriosis. You've been doing Reiki healing. You'd started that in yeah. 2010. So you had your operation in 2008. 2010, you started the Reiki healing. And I'm assuming throughout that time, because you started to notice difference within, differences within yourself, that you then continued down this path, right? When I wanted to start a healing business in 2010, but it wasn't the right time, it just wasn't working out. Okay. And it, it makes sense um, why I needed to do more. Yeah. I needed to experience more, go through more, and actually get rid of the autoimmune diseases um, before I could do that. So your path continued, you moved into London to a friend and onto a to a house and you started working on the physical healing with yeah. the diet. So um, what happened after that? So you got better, you healed yourself, you said it's past medical history. How did the healing come back to the fore? Take us on that journey as to how the pieces came together. Um, well, I got to a point with that diet where I could actually walk more than one bus stop. Um, it had a lot to do with confidence. What I started doing is um, I lived, I don't know, it was roughly about a 15-minute um, bus ride from work. So I think if you walk a more direct route, it was going to be about 20 minutes or something. And I thought, well, let's try this. But I was so nervous because if for, you know, so many years, more than 10 years, you've been pacing yourself and trying to conserve energy yeah. to just think, oh, I'll go for a 20 minute walk. I know it sounds small, but it is huge if you've not done more than like a five minute walk in years. Yeah. And so I started walking along the bus route home and I would just get nervous and then get on the bus oh. <laughs> and I'll try to push it one, uh, you know, one bus stop further. And I got to the point where I finally walked all the way home and it was such a milestone. And so it was building that confidence. Look, it, it did take quite a while for me to get to walking an hour in the park. That was also huge. It took me about two years to build up to that. Um, but all this time, I just immersed myself in all sorts of workshops and um, talks and reading books and all of that. And I knew that I was going to start my own business and I was working in the property world. I was trying to get out, but that's hugely scary to leave the world of employment and, and start, you know, all that fear comes. But it was on that retreat in Egypt in 2016 where I officially released the autoimmune diseases. Um, we were by the pool and one of the other ladies, um, everyone was giving angel card readings for each other. And she said, right, I'll, I'll do you. And she said, ah, you're not doing your soul mission. You're not on the path completely. But don't worry, you will get there. It's your choice if it's going to be within 20 years or within five years. And that is the shock that I needed. There is absolutely no way in hell I could stay at that company or in the property industry for another 20, well, for, for 20 more years. Five years, yeah, five to 20 years. I, I just knew that um, that was it. So within two months of getting back from that retreat, I handed in my notice and yeah, I, I worked with the notice period and, and that was that. But then um, I didn't know what burnout was. 
and I reached it. Right. When I left uh, that estate agency, I used to be a property manager and I did the accounts as well. I, I just booked a, a seven-day holiday in Tenerife and I thought, yeah, I'll go recharge, come back and start my business. I came back and lay on the couch. I was just exhausted, you know, because my body was then not functioning off the adrenaline anymore. You'd stepped into your- And I crashed. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to deal with burnout, and that seemed to then bring on dark night of the soul. <laughs> and and I, have we all been through that? I'm actually, I'm very grateful because I've subsequently heard that mine was not quite so bad. Mine was just under a year, whereas I've heard of some that last for six years. I don't think I could have put up with that for six years. You know what? I always say your soul never takes on anything your backbone can't handle. And I must admit, yeah. there's times when I'm like, I did not. I did not ask for this. I cannot handle this. But actually, we can. You know, we, we take on what we can handle. Well, I didn't read the fine print when I signed <laughs> up. <laughs> Tell us about your dark night of the soul, because listen, we all have it. We all go through it. And it is part of our ascension. It's part of our mm. growth. But at the time, it's pretty bloody frightening and it's pretty bloody debilitating and yeah. scary. Right. So tell us, share. So I had a couple of things going on all at the same time. And so it was kind of coming at me from all angles, you know, so I'm newly trying to start a business. I went on a one-year diploma course and uh, did another course in between that, did some workshops, all that. so loads of things going on. And the wheels started wobbling quite a bit. And one of the things I started feeling was intense fear, but like right in my solar plexus there, um, I, I started feeling nauseous because of the fear. Was so it a foreboding fear? Did you know what the fear was? Or was it that forebodingness that you don't know what, but you just know there's fear? I thought it was because of the enormity of what I'd taken on that I'm now starting my own business. And I mean, let's face it, you start your own business and you, you don't have clients lining up around the block. It takes time to get the word out. And, you know, word of mouth was actually my greatest marketing tool. But it was taking time, you know. And even though I I thought I was responsible and I'd saved up money before I quit that job, um, that, that money just poofed into thin air quite quickly, you know. So I just assumed it was that, that it was like money, fear, and whatever. It did feel a bit intense for all of that. I thought, you know, come on, like I've never been homeless or any prospect of being homeless, you know, just calm down here. But I... I then wasn't, I didn't realize it at first, but I wasn't eating properly. And uh, just because of this nauseating feeling with the fear the whole time. And when I was going back to this one-year course, people started um, saying, first of all, it was like, oh, you're looking great. You know, you've dropped a bit. Next time we go, slowly, slowly, I started noticing the concern on people's faces until they finally said, Liz, something's not right here. And um, I was having nightmares, not right from the beginning, but I, I started, there was a point throughout these months that I, I was waking up middle of the night, just the absolute fear of God in me and, you know, awful dream. I, I dreamed rats were attacking me. 
Wow. And just waking up with the sheer panic of that, you know, and like, okay, there are no rats here. We're fine. We're all alone. Um, and so I started seeking help in different ways. So firstly, I had some lovely friends that I made on the retreat to Egypt help me piece together that somebody on a course that I'd been on had corded into my solar plexus and was pumping her fear into me. So was this a psychic attack? Yeah, it's a form of psychic attack. Right. I, to this day, believe that she's not conscious of what she did. Well, no, because it comes from the unconsciousness, doesn't it? Yeah. You do get conscious ones where they will consciously cord into you. Which is more kind of um, bad thought. It's, it's, it's more sort of, you know, um, deliberate bad thought, maliciousness. Yeah, and that's also usually in the back. If they are trying to be malicious, the cord will be in the back. This was in the front which showed that it's probably um, her, her not own. being very awake and and just, I, I don't know what, I, I think she was trying to um, reach out for help in a way or just get rid of her fear by pumping it into me. But then it all makes sense when I thought back of all this fear and looking at her and what was going on in her life, I was like, yeah, I mean, she's got a lot to feel fear about she's got loads going on in her life that she's needing help sorting out and, and so sorry to interrupt you there but the thing is with fear and I kind of just want to say this you know as a sort of addition to what you're saying for the listeners is that when you if you slow down enough you can sense that it's not whether it belongs to you or not you know, and I know that I know it's very different for someone who's an empath because they can obviously pick up on everybody else's feelings. But I found with myself when I've had someone else's fear projected onto me, when I've actually sat with it and gone into it, I thought, this isn't mine. That this, mm. this is not my energy here that is manifesting all around me. And so when you know, it's great, right, because then you can you can heal it, clear it hand it back or do what you may with it but yeah it's really important so you began to realize so how did you piece together that it wasn't your fear was it just through a process of elimination and chatting with others and healing sessions or well, it, it was these ladies that I stayed friends with from Egypt they helped me piece it together and it was through their questions that it just felt like somebody would opened the curtains and the light was shining and I was like oh my gosh so there were, I can't tell you all the questions that they asked, but I, I do remember it was something about this lady came up who'd caught it into me. I mean, I didn't know she'd caught it into me, but I'd, I'd said something about this. And then finally, the, the one friend said, um, when did this sort of dark night of the soul and all the fear start and you going off food? When did the nausea and all of that start? And I told her the date. And she said, when did you meet this woman? And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's yeah. her. And I, because when you're having things thrown at you from every angle, I now I pick things up much quicker with psychic attacks. Instead of 10 months, it takes me like a few hours maximum, you know. But when you're having things thrown at you from every angle, you can't just take that quiet time to just be like, where is this coming from? And you, you don't see the logical things like that. I met her then, and the nausea and the fear started then. Boom, there you go. So I needed people to show me that and, and help me realize it for myself. And notwithstanding, you know, sometimes 
if it's the first time you've experienced this, people don't know, uh, you know, unless they're in our world, in our on our career path of, you know, self-improvement, self-development, people don't always know, right, that yeah. these things go on. So it's very valid that you, you know, you had to try and piece it together with some other people because something clearly was going on, right? I did a, a wonderful ceremony in the bath, actually, and the one friend said to me, um, this lady has almost put like roots. It's like such a thick, almost tree trunk going into my solar plexus that what I need to visualize is actually like I'm moving soil away from the roots, and then I need to pull that out. And so I, I did it in the bath, and that was great, and I, I felt such a tremendous healing from that. And and I detached from that lady and sent her on her way. But it wasn't enough. And that's when I reached out to a man named Steve Nobel. Okay. And um, he's quite known on YouTube for all of his free meditations and tracks to help people. And I was listening to his tracks, um, I mean, just not quite daily, but almost, you know, just to help me through the dark night of the soul. And he's got great ones on um, you know, entities and, and all of that. And I booked a session with him and something that I'd never considered. He picked up straight away. He said, there's a negative opening in your energy fields that's letting entities in. And so all of that. Sorry to interrupt you quickly, but so the um, the sort of opening in your in your in your field, was that how this woman got in? I don't think so. Okay. But if you think of these emotions like fear, they are lower vibrational yeah. in nature that they can open doors, that they can open these, these types, they can open you up to that. So um, one of the ways that you can do energetic protection for yourself, um, and I wouldn't say that for me it hasn't been completely foolproof, but it's definitely helped. It kind of bats the dark away is to raise your own vibrations and be happy and joy. So I dance to YouTube and things like, you know, have fun. Yeah. And then you're less susceptible to this kind of rubbish, you know, in your life. But, yeah, so I, I reckon maybe all of that fear that I was feeling opened me up to this kind of thing. And um, so it was those nightmares. And especially, um, look, I do think the entities would have amplified the fear. So this entities love doing that. They'll find something small within you and really poke at it to make it much bigger than what it is. So if I was feeling some of this woman's fear, they would have really amped it up to become unbearable that, you know, I lost 10 kilograms in total. And it's, um, so, it's so interesting when we talk about entities. Um, and I just want to mention this now because people might, if anyone listening here is, you know, hasn't heard of entities. I don't know if you heard last week's episode. I was actually in conversation with Rachel. She's got this amazing platform called Sober in Central Park. And we would, she's been alcohol free now for 510 days, I think it is now. But we were talking about the damaging effects of lower vibrations and when you drink, how actually you're, it completely takes you out of your center. And I was saying that I don't know that this is 100% accurate, but it, I have done quite a bit of reading and research on it. And my understanding is that when you um, when you drink, when you are inebriated and you're drinking on a regular basis and you're creating such an acidic environment within your body, it's really 
and intolerable for your soul. So it's like when you when you are partaking in alcohol, your soul will almost exit your body. So it's still tethered to you inside. Okay, but that allows the opportunity for other entities to jump in and basically take over. So when people wake up and say, oh, my God, I was so out of character last night or I would never normally do that. Yeah, there is the thought process that actually it isn't them. That's why they'd never normally do it, because somebody else is in their field having a bit of a joyride. So this is what you're saying. You know, the entities were there really amplifying this fear within you that wasn't even your fear. But it's almost like they were having a little bit of a party they, they feed off these lower vibrational emotions. Yeah. Now, years ago, um, I think it was probably at the College of Psychic Studies in London. Um, I was at a talk. Now, I have to say, I can't remember which talk it was, uh, so I can't give credit. But whoever it was said, would you ever leave your car parked outside on the street with the keys in the ignition? Wow. Because anyone can jump in and then take it for a joyride. That and that's a bit like, um, you know, the sort of lower vibrational drugs and, and alcohol. Um, it, it does just open you up for, for something to, as you say, come have a joyride. And I suppose that would also go for lower vibrational food as well. Anything that's not serving for you, right? You know, anything that is going to bring down the vibration is opening you up to potentially an entity or something interfering with you with you as an individual yeah I, I think the more we can raise our vibrations and I've certainly learned to put um, I learned the hard way that what I need is a, a little protection meditation morning and night mm -hmm. And so I, I've got a few tracks on my YouTube channel and my two recent ones, I did the morning version and the nighttime version. They're both called Highlight Decree. The morning one is called Invoking Energetic Protection. And I do a version of this for my partner and I every single morning because we started realizing the days that we just, um, you know, but casual about it. We will get some sort of interference. I mean, maybe not full on entity attack, you know, jumping in us or whatever. But, you know, things just don't run as smoothly and, you know, things can go wrong. So what I suggest to people is start off with something. And I have tried to make it as short as possible. They're both only 14 minutes. Nice. That's nice um, and easy. But you can even make it quicker than that. What I suggest is that you listen to it a few times, get the idea, and you can even form your own just very quickly you can speed it up like i don't take 14 minutes each day you know i might speed it up to about 10 minutes or something and I, i've added in a few extra things just for myself as well but you can personalize it to you and take what resonates with you and what doesn't and you know you're free to also listen to other people's tracks sure. and bring in those concepts for yourself as well and let it evolve so that that one that i did um, I now even I've added a few things for myself, but it is totally different to what I did even last year. Yeah. A few elements have stayed the same, but I I'm constantly evolving my needs to the challenges that I'm presented with, with energetic attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And definitely the nighttime one as well. It's called dream state protection. Because I, I 
nighttime one a couple of oh, you did I did I did because I was interested because I thought well we're having this conversation and I am really interested in mind body being work as you know and I must say I have to say that night I was out for the count I was like right. <laughs> I was out so we will definitely put those links actually in the information. oh thank you yeah yeah for sure um yeah no I said to one of my daughters the next day I said wow that knocked me for six last night I was out for the count and slept really really well now it, you know whether it's because my intention was set to that this is going to obviously cleanse clear um provide a, a safe sacred positive environment I, I'm not questioning you I'm just, who knows but something happened yeah worked, which was really great and I have a question actually before we go back to this gentleman that you um, mentioned who you went to for a session um just while we're on the subject of energetic interference what would you say given the challenges that we're going through in this world at the moment and there's a lot right um i'm talking about covid i'm talking about interference um from your perception because i know you're highly intuitive how much negative interference would you say there is around us all generally at the moment do you think it's at an all-time high yes and i i do think it's in, intentional i yes. think they have used that um if you want to call it the dark yeah um as a way because when people are in fear they're more easily controlled well it's mind control mind control yeah 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 Let's go back to this chap that you went to have a session with. Um, Steve Nobel. Steve Nobel, yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about Steve and his work and how that really helped you heal and clear, should I say clear, what was going on with um, psychic attack and um, that, that calling from that woman. So I've actually trained with Steve now. And um, it's been so beneficial because I, I don't need to just book somebody in to check for portals. Um, I do it myself. And unfortunately, I, I will share with you that you don't just clear a portal once and, and you're done forever. Damn. They, they Damn. do. You keep being presented with opportunities where they, they can come and, you know, even just entity attack. Uh, but if you, um, like, I now have the tools, I can pick it up and deal with it. And it's been hugely beneficial. And I check Steve as well. He asked me to check him. We check each other and deal with it because um you know i had a gathering at my house and afterwards just something was off okay and so i did so we use pendulums a lot so i've actually i've got one of my this is my little micro pendulum oh, wow. that i use it's so lovely so this this is a gold-plated one so it's even self-clearing i was going to say you cleanse and clear it I, I do, even though it's self-clearing, but you don't have to do it as much as the crystal ones. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so when I picked up that something something was off in the house and, and all of this, I checked, you know, where is it, living room, okay, how many, and portal clothes, and just instantly you feel this lightness. Ah, oh. because um, it, it was one of the guests that I don't know so well. It was like a friend of a friend. And he, he didn't do it intentionally. I know that much. But he's not doing the work on himself. Or maybe a bit like me, you know, I, I could have put a portal in somebody's home 10 years ago, totally unintentionally. He's, he's not 
at that level yet that he knows what's going on around him. Um, sort of one foot in the spiritual world, one foot out. And, but yeah, it, it did, did leave me with something in my living room that needed to go. So yeah, it's been great to just clear that sort of stuff out. But even on, even when you do do the work, you know, it's like um, I was saying in, in one episode, I was talking about, I work with Karim Brawl a lot and we work in my unconsciousness. And I remember saying to her, this was oh, a couple of years ago now, and it was in the time when my ex-husband and I were going through a really nasty um, legal battle. And so here I was consciously saying, you know, I'm totally fine with this. You know, I just I really wish him well. I wish him happiness. And all I'm asking for is what is owed to me and what is rightfully mine. And I was telling this to Corinne as we so we opened up and I said, listen, I just want to say this, that, you know what, I just think, you know, I want to wish him the best and da da da. But in my unconsciousness, she laughed because I was raging. And of course, you know, my rage was meeting his unconsciousness, which was causing more rage within him. So I guess what we're trying to say, listeners, is that um, nothing is personal and, you know, when you're not aware of what's going on in your unconsciousness, it's not that you're going around just putting nuclear bombs in people's houses. Yeah, in the living room. But it, but it is about taking responsibility and it is about being open to working with your mind, your body and your being, right? Yeah. Because that's when you experience, we all experience, you and I, Liz, experience so much more joy because we're much more aligned so, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that about, yeah, yeah, we're not always aware, are we? Yeah, gosh, the unconscious mind. And, you know, we have good intentions. Actually, I learned about the Ho'oponopono prayer many years ago. Yes. And, and it is lovely. Um, and one of the most helpful things that I heard is that if you can't say it to the vision of somebody that you intend to say it to, if you're still so angry with them, is just actually visualize yourself in front of you and say it to yourself. And that's helped so many times. We're all, um, you know, and what's before you is within you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to a point where you can move on to the person that you actually need to do that work with. Yeah. There's a beautiful story about the Ho'opono Ono. So it's, it's, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. And did you ever hear the story about, I'm like, wow, let's hope this works for me. There's this, um, she, I, I should send you the link and actually I'll put it in the resources as well because it's phenomenal. This woman was on a journey and, um, she came across, you know, Joe Vitale, she came across, um, I think it's cosmic ordering and she came across the prayer, you know, the Ho'opono Ono prayer and, so she had been saying, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and thank you. And it really, it really resonated with her. She really understood. And she started thinking about how she'd never had a problem attracting things, but that she'd never been quite clear. Okay. So she said to the universe, I want $40 million or more. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and thank you. And she knew, she just knew within every aspect, every cell of her being. And I think it was a couple of weeks later, she won $40 million on the lottery. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And so she talks about how the process of practicing the healing prayer was what mm. led her to it. So I will put that in the resources as well. But sorry, we got sidetracked. Let's go back to the work with Steve because this is really interesting for people to learn about. So um how I know my ever-evolving morning grounding and protection meditation works enough for me is I was on a course and there was another attendee on this course that I can't tell you why but she kept irritating me now I'm usually a quite compassionate person so whatever exercise we're doing should burst into tears and all of this and I'm the one who would usually check they're okay and especially when I was partnered with her I cannot tell you why she just really irritated me that eventually I had to go and say to the teacher, please, I can't work with her. <laughs> and um, for the final exam, we had to partner up. And I said, I'm partnering with my friend. There's no ways I'm partnering with her. And the teacher respected this. The interesting thing is, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, it was only afterwards. So she partnered with a friend of mine for one of the exercises and again, she ran off crying to the bathroom and, and all of this, but I just detached from that and I was with my partner. Anyway, it was after the whole course that my friend got me to check because my friend was feeling a little bit off. And there was an entity inside my friend. And what we'd figured out is that it was actually within that woman. I walked away with rips and tears to my aura because it was trying to get into me. But because I'd put enough of um, protection around me, it couldn't get totally in. And I think also that is why I was getting irritated. So yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it. Why am I getting irritated with this poor emotional woman? You know, I was getting irritated with the entity. Feeling it. Yeah, for sure. Right. And that's why I just had to get away from her because I didn't know consciously that my aura was being ripped through. But I just knew I had to get the hell away from her. And unfortunately, it jumped into my friend. Anyway, got it all out. But it, it was my friend who, at the time, was not so hot on let's do morning grounding and protecting, you know, a little bit casual about it. Um, and I think they've since changed their mind. But, uh, yeah, so some form of daily morning grounding and protection. The, the grounding will help you deal with any kind of stressful things that come your way. Because it's not going to take it away. You know, we've got this. But if you're grounded into the Earth's crystalline grid, I actually visualize roots going all the way down into the center, into the great big crystal. It's the 5D grid of the Earth. I anchor in. So I imagine actually an anchor at the bottom. Yeah. You can tie it off in a bow or a knot, whatever's right for you. And then I drink up some of that crystalline energy up into my heart space. And then from there, it circulates throughout my whole body. And I kind of sometimes even visualize it a bit like um, a phone that's charging. And, you know, the battery yeah, bars yeah. go out and I'm recharging myself. And I do that. And if I need to repeat it during the day, I will. Because if there's any kind of stressful event, that will help you deal with it a little bit better. It makes you a bit more solid. And also the intention. I mean, there are so many incredible things that can help. I mean, I I really like the Australian bush um, flower remedies. And in my practice, oh yeah yeah in my practice I used to have the space clearing remedy. Um, and so before and after patients, I just space clear the room. And yes, it's that intention as well, right? It's that conscious intention of clearing 
and it's important it's important because it's a form of um self-love and self-respect ultimately you know when you're when you're when you're clearing as in the morning routine that you do the night routine that you do it's you're saying to every aspect of yourself i care i care about my well-being i care about um how i'm living i care about my days so um no they're really good tracks that you've done and i haven't oh, done the one i've done the nighttime one but i will most definitely do the morning one but i want to ask you about your healing work so um because obviously you work on the physical and you work on the energetic, the emotional, the unseen, as we've just discussed about, you know, tears and auras and entities. Talk to me. So my understanding is that, you know, with the work that you do on humans and on animals, OK, and you can do that face to face or distance healing. Um, and the kind of the core issues that you cover are other life. So, right. Let me get this straight. So. I guess when someone comes to you with an issue, with a problem, whether that's manifesting physically or whether it's manifesting for them emotionally and they're not sure what's going on, some, maybe something like you and I, what we've discussed today, sort of something feels off, their energy doesn't feel right. With your skills, you basically then look at, so it's like a process of elimination. So you would look at their energy field, you would look at other lifetimes, you would look at vows and agreements or energetics, or it might well be that you look at their physical diet. Can you explain a bit more about that and how you work, how you go through that process of elimination and how you help them? Because you really do help hundreds and hundreds of people transform their lives so let's 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 give a bit more to the listeners of how you do this magic so i'm only doing online now okay i would say the um probably one of the only good things of lockdowns is that it did shift my business entirely online which has been a wonderful thing because yeah. i used to travel up to an hour to some clients and it's just so much wasted time traveling and all of this can be done remotely and you know, people are comfortable in their own homes as well. They don't have to travel anywhere. They're much more open to the whole experience, aren't they? And so I use predominantly pendulums and charts, um, especially the start of it. I do see what's relevant. So I've got loads of techniques and procedures, and I see what the client is presenting with, what they need help. And I'll sometimes get an idea of what I'm going to do with them, even when I look at the booking. Because uh, my online booking system, I've got to go and approve each one just to check it doesn't clash with anything. And I'll have a quick read and I'll sometimes get immediately, oh, I need to do this with them. Um, but then throughout the session, I will double check with my pendulum uh, what techniques are relevant for them at this time and the priority. So sometimes I do actually get to a bit of remote Reiki. Other times I don't. I just see if it's right for that person or that animal at that time. Um, something that I always do with every client, um, both human and animal, is um, what I call like a preparation to work. And that does include clearing of all sorts of things. And what's been quite amazing for me is I have started bringing a lot of the, if you call it human techniques that I learn, into the animal side of things. Because initially I was taught animal healing a bit like animal Reiki. It's just really sent from your hands to the animal or to a visualization of the animal if you're doing it remotely. And I'm now doing pendulum work with animals. 
Oh, brilliant. So I wouldn't swing a pendulum in front of an animal that's right in front of me, but this is how it works so brilliantly on Zoom. Um, so I learned the portal closing technique from Steve Nobel, and I, I check all my human clients because I, I can't do all of the work with them if they've got portals and entities. You've got to get rid of that first. Um, and one lady, sorry. And do you find with a lot of clients that that is quite prevalent? Do you find, would you say in maybe 80, 90 percent of your clients that they've got open portals? Or... Um, I've never thought of that. I'm just wondering. I think a lot of them do. And then surprisingly, I did have somebody where I totally expected a portal and there wasn't. Oh, interesting. Um, but there was some other interference going on, but they were presenting with things that probably would have been, and it was quite surprising. I think once I explained it to them, they were also surprised. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I always check with the pendulum and, and see. But, yes, I would say just briefly thinking of it, a, a number of people do walk around with portals that they're not aware of, like I did for 10 months. <laughs> Um, but you can see how your body consciousness was trying to communicate to you because it was getting exactly to something had to be done, something yeah. changing. Yeah. Um, so I had a lady book her horse in and when I went into the booking system and I was just double checking the time and approving it and I read through and I saw what she'd written and just immediately it came to me, this horse has a portal in her energy fields. And the immediate question was, do animals get portals in their energy fields? Because this is not something that I've ever been taught in a course. Right. And so I got my pendulum out and I checked, yes, totally. And um, so now I've taken my sort of, if you want to call it, my human preparation to work. And I've seen what's relevant for animals in there. And there's only actually one part that's not relevant for animals. And that's about upgrading the ego. Um, they say animals don't have egos, and so that's one line that, that I leave out for the animals. But otherwise, everything else is relevant, um, and animals are just as susceptible as humans. So with this horse, I did the portal closing procedure. I told her guardian um, a number of other things to do, like actually talk the horse through some grounding, because this horse was doing amazingly well in training, mm -hmm. but like really um, – not having it with competitions, okay. bucking out, coming last, all of this. And um, so, yeah, talk the horse through some grounding, did the portal closing, this sort of thing. And she updated me. The horse came second in the competition. Fantastic. So, look, I ha I'm not going to lie. I had that doubt. Like, does this horse really have a portal in its energy field? And it was just such great confirmation to just go with this guidance, you know. If I get it immediately the horse has a portal just trust that is that is that in um, channeled in, intuition that comes through to you <clears throat> yes i'd say it's um probably usually my higher self yeah you're because i hear it as my own voice okay yeah yeah and um what about you when you hear do you find when it's not coming from your higher self um it's like you hear the voice outside of yourself does that make sense so like when i um, when it's coming from me, I sort of hear it here in my forehead, but when it's coming outside of me, it, it's like it sort of 
dives in and then goes past. It's, it's, it, I can discern the two. I know that it's not coming from me, if that makes sense. Do you get yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to quite explain it. It doesn't sound like it's coming from outside of me. It still feels like it's in my head, yeah. um, like I'm hearing it inside my head rather than hearing it outside. Um, but it's a different voice, isn't it? It's like you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. So you use the pendulum. And how do you, because um, I know people will be thinking this, um, how do you keep the pendulum neutral so that you're not imposing your intention um, or anyone else's? How is that pendulum kept so crystal clear and accurate? Uh, so, look, I do clear my pendulums, but also within I do prep uh, this preparation to work for myself before yes. each session. So I'll do myself before I meet the client on Zoom and then I do the client usually with them. Um, and so within the preparation to work, it makes sure that I am connecting to my higher self and not getting guidance. Because, I mean, it sounds great to be getting guidance maybe from an ascended master or whatever, but for, for work like this, it needs to be your higher self to source, nothing else. Okay. The other thing is I know I can totally influence the pendulum when I'm too attached to things. So if it's anything for me, yeah. Um, and then I get my partner to check me and vice versa. He gets me to check him for stuff. So we are aware of this. But when it comes to a client. It's no different. I'm, you're not you're not emotionally. Yeah, I want the best for them, but I want the truth for them. Yeah. That it's um, it's not like I can influence it to say, no, there are no portals just because I don't want my client to have any portals in their energy fields. It's actually more effective if I get an accurate answer and then deal with it if need be. Your work is full of integrity, and that's really important. Um, and I would mention that to anyone who's beginning to go along this path of mind-body-being work and healing themselves emotionally, physically, and energetically, you know, to do their research and to see who they resonate with. And yeah. I can speak from experience, having worked with so many people in the field, in our field of work, that the integrity that you offer is a hundred percent oh thank you hundred percent pure because there is no emotional investment other than what's right for that person or what's presenting not even what's right actually what's just presenting for that client that you work yeah i mean one thing that i've noticed is um some healers will say to me oh you really need another session you know next week or something and and i just always feel a bit off about that I mean look I may well need another session like my kinesiologist and I trust her 100% she will say right you do actually need another one in three weeks to continue this but but I've got that relationship with her that I know because she doesn't do it every time you know sometimes she said no no we can wait a lot longer and so I know she's not just in it for the money and so when I have clients saying to me, oh, do I need another session or when do I need to book again? Um, I do find it a bit sad because it feels a little bit like they've been conditioned into this. Well, you need repeat healings. And so I'm power away by saying they're putting their power in someone else. You know, I yeah. say to people, you'll know, you'll know when you need a session. That's what I say. And I say, if you use a pendulum, ask the pendulum. And better yet, if you use a numbers chart, ask the percentage benefit of having another session with me. 
And, you know, even how long you should wait. If, if you should have another session with me, you can ask with the numbers chart how many weeks, how many months you should wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing to see the change in them then. They're, they're then like, oh, you know, that they can take their power back and that it's not up to me and and that I'm I'm not money grabbing. I'd, I'd really rather not have people booking. I had one lady who wanted me to send her remote Reiki healing every single day for a week. Wow. And I, I then, I, I pandered to her needs for a little bit. And then I started picking up that really she's not interested in doing her own work. Um, she just, she wants somebody else to do it for her. And I, I can't, I can't even do it for her. Yeah. Absolutely. No matter how much she pays me for it. Yeah. There's a certain amount of, this journey that you have to do yourself 100 percent self-accountability you know it's about coming back to your own authority and it's about connecting i mean the work i do is helping people to connect to their inner strength and to their own authority um to know that they have that within them to navigate mm. their life and that doesn't mean to say they wouldn't work with people like yourself or they or you know i wouldn't work with other people but it fundamentally the buck stops and starts with me and you know that's I think what this change that we're all going through is all about it's about learning to take the power back for yourself for your well-being mm -hmm. physical well-being your emotional well-being your financial well-being for all of it you know so I think you're amazing and, and you're and you're absolutely right you know it's it's not for you to do that work for someone else because what I even do with some of the processes is I get the clients involved. Yeah. So, for example, if I pick up um, cords from some family member into them, I will be doing the clearing on the charts with the pendulum. Uh, but I get them to visualize the cords being cut. And then also any agreements accepting those cords or any agreements or vows or promises with that family member to destroy them. And I talk them through how and, and what they do, but they are visualizing it and they're part of the process. They're not separate from it. They're not just sitting there with their eyes closed, waiting for me to wave a magic wand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can you give us, um, so you, you talked about the horse that you worked with. Yeah. I know actually I will guide and ask anyone who's interested to take a look at the testimonials on Liz's website because they are really amazing. But so you've given us an example of how you've helped one of our furry friends can you give it without breaking data protection at all. But can you give an example of how you've, how your work has impacted um, a human being on a really positive yeah. that would be great. so one of my clients um, she booked me in because she's got a fear of dogs and she wanted to get a puppy for her family uh, and she was actually even worried that her fear was going through to at least one of her children yeah. and so during the session I picked up that this was both other lifetime stuff and bloodline stuff for her so what happens with other lifetimes is um, for example, with her, she was presented with some kind of a wild animal that she now puts dogs into the same category. So you can imagine it could be like a wild dog even, or even a wolf, just anything that could be a bit similar to that. And if I remember correctly, that was last year. I, I think in one of those lifetimes with her, she died. So possibly not all. I think some she was just harmed through some sort of an attack. And then I think one died. 
So if you've experienced that in another lifetime, it means for all the lifetimes going forward, you're going to be saying, yeah, I need to be careful of, of beings like that, you know, because they could kill me. And there's, yeah, there's this fear that's then carried through. Then equally, she had bloodline stuff going on. So what that means is that something similar has happened to an ancestor. So either on the mother line or the father line or both, actually, where, again, things can happen where, um, where the whole bloodline then says, you know, oh, you, for safety, you have got to be scared of these animals and just steer clear of them. And so I cleared those. And, yeah, she's she got the puppy. She's got um, – he's yeah. a lovely dog now, and, and she's doing great. And the work that uh, we did with her and that she did on herself helped her children because I think initially they were um, – one of them was a little bit scared. But then it filters down. Whatever you do on yourself, it filters down the bloodline as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that absolutely. And what people don't appreciate is, you know, what your ancestors and the the lineage hasn't cleared will get passed on to the next generation to clear. So it has someone at somewhere within the family tree has to say, this is why I am so committed to doing um, my work. And because because when you start doing that work, you're clearing not only for yourself, but you're clearing for your children, you're clearing working backwards so it's it's phenomenal work it's it's so powerful but that's amazing so you cleared that fantastic liz i mean what can i say it's been such a pleasure because the work you do is all all emotional personal physical development work is so important and as you well know the changes that we're going through the planet at the moment um there's a lot of work that we need to be doing you know to raise the vibration, change what's going on. And um, I really genuinely hope from my heart that when people listen to this who perhaps haven't been open to healing their body um, in a new way, that they reach out to you. And I will put all your information in the you know episode resources, tag you in in social media, because, yeah, it's the, working with the unseen it's it's quite magical it's quite incredible yeah so it's lovely to come across someone like yourself who has such experience well thank you so much for having me it's been great wow what a conversation that was i have no doubt that you'll be jumping onto liz's website and downloading some of her amazingly powerful meditations i hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with liz I'm always in awe of the different healing modalities available to us all and how this beautiful benevolent universe provides us with everything that we need to heal our mind and our bodies so that we can thrive. It's just never ceases to amaze me. Amazing. Next week is going to be a solo episode with me. So look out for further information on that early next week on my social media. As always, wherever you are, I wish you the most wonderful weekend and please remember how strong, beautiful and truly magnificent you are. For now, much love.